Okay, good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to Parsha Perspectives for today. We have the privilege of learning Parsha's Vayeshev, page 198 in the Art Scroll Stone Chumash. Big and special thank you to our generous Parsha series sponsors for the year, Becky and Avi Katz, and family in memory of Becky's father, David Grossman, our learning Shabila Ili Nishmas, David Menachem Manash. Also this morning, Shir is sponsored by Judy and Joel Pomerantz for their Fuashlema, Valana Chana, Bas Gila, Brainla, and Chaya Esther Tila Bas Ariel Tzipora. Should have complete, speedy, and painless Fuashlema. Should only hear Besoros Tovas and good things. And wishing everyone a good Yantif. Now, you don't know that today is Yantif. It's your test kiss slave. It's the Rosh Hashanah of Hasidus. Today's the Yeretzite of the Maggid of Mizrich. Today's the day the Alter Rebbe got out of prison. Today is the beginning of Hasidus, Panimia Satora, that changed the world. I think the Fabrengen is still going on. Did it end yet? From last night? Baruch Hashem, still going on. So wishing everyone a good Yantif. Paraklam and Zion, Pasuk Aleph. We begin. Parshas Vayeshev. Vayeshev Yaakov, Eretz Migurei Aviv, Be'eretz Kenan. Vayeshev Yaakov comes and he wants to settle in the land of his forefathers. Bikesh Yaakov, Leishev Beshalva. He wants what many of you, what many of us want, to retire and sit under the palm trees, to sip pina coladas, to relax and go to the afternoon call of the women's midrashah, to simply be able to coast in life a little bit. Haven't you put in your time, worked hard and founded Jewish communities, organizations, paid tuitions, put in a hard day's work, and now just Leishev Beshalva. You just want to be able to sit in comfort. And yet... Because Yaakov was wrong, was inappropriate in wanting that. Kaddish Baruch Hu paid Yaakov back by the Rogzo Shal Yosef. This animosity, this enmity, this episode of Yosef and his brothers instead was sprung upon Yaakov. What's so wrong? What's so wrong about wanting to leshev b'shalva? Who doesn't want some peace and serenity? Who doesn't want some tranquility? Who doesn't want to be able to retire and live life? Not wasting or squandering time, live life studying and learning Torah and volunteering for chesed and doing wonderful things. What's wrong with being leshev b'shalva? What's wrong with wanting that? So we've discussed this more at length in the past, but the Torah is teaching us something that Adam la'amal yulad, we are here to work, to toil. We are here to struggle. Struggle is where breakthrough takes place. Everybody knows the the clam that yields the pearl through the tension and the struggle inside, the countless metaphors and examples of it in life. No breakthrough ever happened when a person was sitting sipping pina coladas. Breakthrough, growth spurts, advancement, progress, transformation happen in the realm of struggle. It's also explains last week, and of all, Yaakov should have known that. What is the Jewish people's name? We're called Yisrael. And why are we called Yisrael in last week's parasha? We're beginning this week by learning last week's parsha. But why are we called Yisrael? The Sarah Shalesav, the alter ego of Yaakov, names him Yisrael. Why? Kisarisa, because you wrestled with God Vatuchal and you persevered. So why aren't we called Vatuchal? We should be B'nai Vatuchal, the people of persevering, the people of triumph, the people of success, the people of winning. Why are the people of Sarisa of struggle? And the answer is because it's in the struggle that there is the breakthrough. It's not that we look for or we welcome or we try to voluntarily engage in struggle, but when struggle is visited on us, when we recognize that at every age and at every stage of life, there's effort, there's struggle, and that's where breakthrough occurs. I mentioned on Shabbos, someone once came to Rav Yashiv Zatzal, was very bothered, a person who had been trying to have a breakthrough in Avodas Hashem his whole life, and he was towards the end of life and he said, I've been struggling my whole life, I've been trying and I have nothing to show for it. So what's it going to say on my kever? What's it going to say on my matzeva, my tombstone? It's going to say, here lies somebody who tried, who struggled. Shav Yashav looked at him and he said, if I were walking through the Beis HaChaim, if I were walking through a cemetery, and I passed a tombstone that said, here lies somebody who struggled, someone who tried, I would stop and daven there because I'd be at the grave of a tzaddik. There's nothing wrong with a life that we try, that we struggle. So, Shalva, of course we want some tranquility, some peace and quiet. Of course we want things to go smoothly. We'd like one week where we don't have a doctor's appointment. I know the routine. One week. One week where we don't have a doctor's appointment. Okay, but you know what? It's in the struggle, it's against the wall, it's the challenges which yields the, the breakthrough. Ela told us, Yaakov, Yosef, Ben Shavas, We're going to try to learn from our past and, and focus on the end of the parsha. 
so hard. You read these psukim, there's so many great different Torah through the years, and I just want to repeat them all, but you can go online and listen. We have so many years recordings up. You could listen every day to a different year of the Parsha, and you'll hear the beginning of the Parsha. What do you mean that the told us of Yaakov, Yosef? How many children does Yaakov have? How do the 11 feel? Someone says, I'd like to introduce you to my children. I'm so proud of them. Here's Yosef. Hi. What about me? Ela told us Yaakov, Yosef. What about the other 11? He's 17 years old. He's Rabbi Sechab Batson. He's Na'ar B'nei Bila B'nei Zilpa and She'aviv. And he brings Dibasam Ra'ay al He brings this negative language. And again, now is not the time, but this is Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik is, these parashiyos are communicated to us in a way that we could hopefully relate and learn. But he's categorically different. He's Yosef HaTzadik. And these are the Shiftei Ka. So Yosef speaking Lashon Hara, how do we understand that? And what was the content of the Lashon Hara that he spoke? What was he accusing his brothers of? Torah tells us. They're eating Avram Menachai. And they're violating all kinds of ethical boundaries. Shiftei Ka, that's how they're behaving. So this parsha begs, study me, unpack me. That can't be what it means. Yaakov favored. Now the Torah doesn't say Yaakov. The Torah says, who favored Yosef? Yisrael, not a coincidence that it doesn't say Yaakov. The, the part of Yaakov that favored Yosef was Yisrael. The bigger, the, the destiny part of who he was favored Yosef. And he makes for him this multicolored coat. And the brothers see that he's favored. Yosef is favored. That doesn't go well. We have three references to hatred. Hatred. Baseless hatred, hatred for a reason, hatred. So let's begin with that. An insight from the Megid Yosef of Yosef Sirotskin. Loshan lo yachlu. What do you mean lo yachlu? What does lo yachlu mean? Just translate the words for me. Lo yachlu. They couldn't. What do you mean they couldn't? They chose not to. Lo yachlu dabro lishalom means. Pasik dalad. They could not speak to him. When you hate someone, you avoid them like the plague. You go to the other side of the room. You don't want to engage or speak to them. means they wanted to, but they couldn't. They tried, but it didn't go. means they, they wanted to. It didn't work. So why does it say Says the Megid Yosef, Torah chooses its words very specifically, very carefully, very accurately. Baseless hatred, hatred between brothers, hatred between people, is unlike any other hate. Maybe you hate kale. I don't like kale. You hate kale, but you can still talk to the kale. You can still hear the word kale. You hate kale. Every other hate. You hate the Red Sox. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's a tough hatred. But someone you love loves the Red Sox. They're going through a hard time for them. You could even say the words Red Sox. But sinus achim, when there's brotherly hate, when there's hate between people, oh, it's totally different. The truth is, inside us is the yearning to reconcile, to repair, we return. We want to get along. We want to love. We want to connect. We want to be together. But what happens? What happens is, this is the source of sinas chinam. You know what happens? You manufacture such a problem that you then convince yourself that you shouldn't speak to the other person. You can't speak to the... How can I speak to them? You know what I gave their kids for their wedding? What they gave my kids? I want to. I wish I could. How can I speak to them? How can I, do you know what kind of yarmulke they wear? Do you know how she does or doesn't cover? Do you know where they send their kids to school? I can speak to them. Do you know where they came down on this political fight in the community? They were on the other side of that political issue. So how, how, I can't. I want to. I wish to. Inside me, I yearn to. We manufacture and we superimpose on ourselves as if we can't. We can. And it's up to us too. But we're essentially choosing not to. We're choosing not to. We're notes are we manufacture. Just peel back the layers, 
remove this artificial obstacle and just start talking again. The answer is actually in this Pasuk too. We think we can't, but we can. So just do it. Stop saying you can't, you can, and do it. The tour, he quotes in the next comment, the tour, Here's another strange part of the Pasuk. Pasuk says, So first we explained, Lo yachlu. What does it mean, lo yachlu? What do you mean you can't? You can, you act like you can't, so remove the acting like you can't. You can, and you can have peace again. You can have ava ve'achva again. The tour says a different question. Why does it say, lo yachlu dabro? It should say, lo yachlu ledaber imo. They weren't able to speak with him. What does the word dabro mean? Mash mafilu imacherem lo yachlu ledaber bishlomo. Tour says, it means not only did they struggle to engage and speak to Yosef, but it means they couldn't even speak to others about Yosef. You ever have that? Two people are in a fight and you go to them and you say, look, oh, you know who I saw the other day? Don't even say his name. I don't want to hear anything about her. In this house, you can't mention their name. Don't tell me anything. Says the tour, the hatred was so deep, the hatred was so strong. It's not only they couldn't engage Yosef directly, but even indirectly, even to others, even when he wasn't there. So when you're fighting with someone else and you have a holy war and a holy fight, you're willing to the whole world to know about. When you fight with a brother, it's embarrassing. In a family, to not be talking? For brothers to be so broken and divided, it's embarrassing. So normally you pretend, normally at least you act as if you're getting along to others. This hatred was so strong, the hatred superseded even the busha, the shame that brothers weren't talking. That's the power that's how pernicious hatred is, that it can cloud our judgment. It could overwhelm our sense of shame, supersede our sense of shame. Rav Yonason Eipschitz, Mr. Ferris Yonason says, Lo shalom. they couldn't even give a shalom aleichem. They couldn't even say shalom aleichem to each other. You know what? Sometimes you repair a relationship. You don't have to be best friends. You don't have to break bread. You don't have to spend yontif meals together. But you have to be able to coexist. You have to be able to be in a room together. You have to be able to say, Shalom Aleichem to one another. They couldn't even say hello. They couldn't even say Shalom Aleichem. They couldn't even say Shalom Aleichem. Couldn't even say Shalom Aleichem. The Rebbe says, why is the greeting of two Jews? You say Shalom Aleichem, and the other says Aleichem Shalom. And the answer is Aleichem is in plural. Shalom, singular, Shalom Aleichem. When you meet another Jew, what you're saying is, I recognize you and I are different. We have different backgrounds, different philosophies, different lifestyles. We're different. That's only natural. It's understandable. And that's fair. We're each an individual, unique, distinct expression of Hashem in this world. But you know what? Shalom Aleichem. Between us, in that plural, there should be shalom. Let's compliment. Let's love. And the other person affirms it and says, Amen. Aleichem. Shalom. That's the whole nature of a Jewish greeting. And that's what's going on over here. You know, the, the Torah goes on, and Yaakov then sends Yosef out, and he says, Go find your brothers which in itself is very puzzling. Go find your brothers. Some understand that Yosef his whole life thinks, who orchestrated the whole throwing in a pit, attempted murder, sale to merchants? None other than his own father, Yaakov. Maybe that's why for 22 years he didn't send a telegram. He didn't reach out. He didn't say, I'm alive. Because he thinks Yaakov is in. After all, who's the one who sent him to go look for his brothers? It was Yaakov. Yaakov goes, Yosef goes rather, and he meets this angel, and the angel says to him, No, what are you looking for? Matavakesh, what are you looking for? 
And what does he answer him? Pasuk tells Vavayim Tzayu Ish Vinei Sor Basada Veishalei Ho Ish Leimor Matevakesh. You look lost. What's going on? What are you looking for? Matevakesh. The Kotzker. We quoted it last year. The Kotzker says this angel Veishalei Ho Ish Leimor. The angel asks us Matemvakesh. What are you Mevakesh? Nicer car, bigger house, more things. Are you a Mevakesh? Are you Mevakesh for the Brunishal Amuna Bitachon? Are you mavakish, an insatiable appetite for Torah, for Amuna, for Yerushalayim, for Avas Hashem? Matevakish, what's your bikush? What defines you? You learn about somebody by what they want, by what they think about, by what they work for, by what they yearn, by what they feel they're lacking. Matevakish, what are you mavakish? You want things or you want experiences? You want possessions or you want a relationship with Hashem? And what is the answer? Vayomer esachaya anochi mavakish. Yosef answers what is the motto, or should be the mission statement of the Jewish people. The Divri Yisrael, the Majitzer, says, Vayomer esachai anochi mevakesh. Anochi, anochi Hashem alokecha is Hashem. You know what Hashem is mevakesh? Esachai. He wants us to be together. He wants us to have achtos. I said it last night at the Fabrengen, the Yutas Kislev Fabrengen. Part of the introduction of Chasidus, the Rosh Hashanah of Chasidus, esachai, to be together, to never judge one another to see what we have in common, not what divides us, to love the best part and to find the godliness, the Tzalma Lekim, the most redeemable, holy part of another Jew. Es Achai Anochi. Anochi Mevakesh is not just Yosef answering, Es Achai, I'm looking for my brothers. Anochi is Anochi Hashem Lekecha, Hashem himself. What does Hashem want us to be Mevakesh? Es Achai. Unity. So the brothers were, Lo Yochlu Dabro Shalom. The brothers couldn't even give a Shalom Aleichem. Whereas Yosef is asked, what are you looking for? I just want my brothers. I just want to be together. I just want to be united. I just want to experience some achtos. But that doesn't go well. He finds the brothers, and what happens? We have the whole episode as we know. They strip him of his coat. They dip it in blood. They think to kill him. They throw him in the pit with snakes and scorpions. Ultimately, a band of Yishmaelim are walking by. They pull him out. Vayim Karuas Yosef. Pasuk Chaf Ches. We're on page 204. And these Midianite men, these traitors, passed by. So what happens? They pull him out of the pit. They sell him for 20 silver coins. And Yosef now descends down to Mitzrayim. He's on his way down to Mitzrayim. The Targum Yonason ben Uziel, Targum Yonason says, what was Yosef sold for? There was a trade, barter. What was Yosef sold for? Flat screen TV? A yacht? Boat, it says, Be'esrim Kesef, he was sold for 20 pieces of silver. But the Targum Yonason says, for shoes. Targum Yonason says, he was sold for shoes. Sandals. He was sold for sandals. Wow. Yosef was sold, exchanged for some sandals. Says the Ishtamid. This goes back a couple of years. We never got to it. So we're back to Rav Druk. Shlita. And this is an explicit Pasuk later in Amos. The Navi Amos. The Navi refers to it explicitly. That's what the Targum alludes to it here. That Yosef HaTzadik was sold not for a vintage collector pair of Jordans, but for a pair of lowly sandals. And in Eile Ezkara, the piyot that we say, commemorating the 10 martyrs, why did the 10 martyrs, the 10 great rabbis of the Talmud die at the hands of the Romans? We all know the Medrash and Eicha, in the Medrash and Eicha Rabbah, that the, uh, there was a trial held because the Jewish people were never accountable for what we did to Yosef, and the brothers were found guilty, and the ten rabbis of the Roman time were executed because they were found guilty. So in Eila Ezkara, we say a, a kina, and we say a piyut, in Musaf Yom Kippur, and on Tisha B'av, in Eila Ezkara, uba'ad menalayim machru, menalim machru. On behalf of sandals, because of shoes, Yosef was sold. Hatmiyah misoreras me'ileah, ma'inyin mechirasam as Yosef, Bavur na'alayim. Says Rav Druk, he wasn't sold for spices. He wasn't sold for 
a charcuterie board, or for some sushi platter, he was sold for sandals, for shoes. There's got to be a deep meaning, a deep symbol, a deep purpose. What these, these brothers had no shoes? The brothers, the Shifte had no shoes? So they needed shoes, they sold Yosef's shoes? What is this really all about? Says Rav Druk, this morning, we make a bracha corresponding with the gift that we have to put on shoes. Which bracha? Shasali, called Tzarchi. Kurdish Baruchu, you prepare for me all of my needs. Because the Gemara Brachos tells us that each of these birchas hashachar really correspond with something we're doing in the morning. We open our eyes, get dressed, we put on shoes, we say Shasali called Tzarchi, we're able to take steps, Hamechim Gavar. We stand up, Zokiv Kefufim, I'm out of order. Originally it was ordained, you'd say the bracha corresponding with acknowledgement and gratitude for this gift, which we take for granted until we can't. You ever wake up in the morning and you can't get out of bed? God forbid a person wakes up in the morning and their eyes don't open? You ever, God forbid, wake up in the morning and the digestive system is not working? Ashayatza can't be said. So today the Shachanach Paskins that we say them together as part of Birchos HaShachar, which are really separate and apart from davening. Even if you're going to daven in shul, beginning with Pesukah de Zimra, Birchas HaShachar, you should say at home. Birchas HaShachar are part of the way we wake up in the morning, even if you're not going to daven until later. In my routine, I normally have a chavrusa, I normally learn before davening, but Birchas HaShachar, I say beforehand. So it's part of the way we wake up. The Folgers in your cup and Birchas HaShachar on your lips. First Birchas HaShachar, then Folgers in your cup. Shasali Kol Tzarchi corresponds with shoes. Why? Hashem, you prepare all I need. Shasali Kol Tzarchi, all by the way, notice how it says, Shasli called Tzarki. We're up to the Amida and Sir snippets, but I'll throw you back all the way many hundreds of snippets ago to the very beginning. We began with Moda'ani and Birchas HaShachar, and undoubtedly, I don't even remember, but yes, this is there. Why do we say Shasli called Tzarki? My needs. The answer is we wake up in the morning, we say, Hashem, I'm different than my neighbor, than my friend, than my brother. And all I ask for are my needs. What you have for me reflect what I need. I don't need to compete or compare with others, but Tzarki, my needs. It's about me. So, this refers to shoes. Here's the explanation. What are shoes made out of, for the most part, until recent times? Leather. Shoes are leather. We know this is, applies in halacha. Yom Kippur, you can't wear leather shoes. Tisha B'av, we don't wear leather shoes. Those who believe halachically, you can go on harabayas. You can't wear leather shoes. In holy places at the Sneh, Moshe had to take off his leather shoes. Stam shoes are leather. The assumption is shoes are made out of leather. There are four realms, there are four levels of life, of living, of this world. There's the domain, inanimate objects. A chair, a table. There's the tzomeach, that which grows. Plant, vegetative life. There's chai, something that has a lower level soul, an animal. And finally, the highest level of living is medaber, human beings. So there's inanimate, and there's an animated uh, uh, vegetation, has life, but no soul. Chai, the animal, has a soul, but a low-level soul, and the medaber. So who is the king of the kingdom? Who rules the kingdom? Why is this whole world here? Whom does it serve? When we put on leather shoes, and those leather, sho leather shoes protect our feet, and allow us and empower us and enable us to navigate this world, what we're saying is, Hashem, this world is here for me. This world is subservient to me. This world is for me to use and utilize for my purpose, for my mission. It's amazing to, to see this story. We've read so many times. 
and try to understand it and analyze it from each of their perspectives. Live it in real time through the eyes of the brothers. The brothers are saying to themselves, they say, ooh, we know our family narrative, we know our family story. We know that our grandfather, who's the brother's grandfather? Yitzchak. Brother's grandfather is Yitzchak. Our great-grandfather Avram had two sons, Yitzchak and Yishmael. Yishmael was the psolas. Yishmael was the mistake. Yishmael was the, the uh, gone wrong. Who was the correct one, the chosen one through whom the legacy of Avram would continue? Yitzchak. Yishmael was dismissed and Yitzchak was chosen. Then our grandfather Yitzchak, he had two sons, Yaakov and Esav. Esav was the psolas, Esav was the reject. And our father Yaakov was the chosen. I guess our family story and destiny is that in every generation there'll be the one who's chosen, the one through whom the legacy will pass, and the rest will be rejects. The rest will be discarded. The rest will be the psolas. Well, we all know that our father loves Yosef more than he loves all of us. Yosef has this fancy coat. Yosef's been designated. Yosef seems to be the chosen one. What does that mean about all of us? We must be the psolas. They said, we've got to prevent that. We've got to preclude that. We've got to make sure that doesn't happen. How do we make sure that doesn't happen? We get Yosef out of the way. The continuity of the Jewish people will not come through Yosef, certainly not Yosef alone. Let's get Yosef out of the way. Since shoes enable us to navigate, to rule, to conquer, to manipulate this world, the brothers exchanged Yosef. They said, you know what? Don't throw us out of the way. We're getting Yosef out of the way. And we're putting on our shoes because we're getting ready to rule the world, to control the world, to navigate the world. Says Rav Druk, maybe that's why Davka for shoes. Shoes represent our capacity to lead, to conquer, to navigate, to manipulate, to control the world around us. That's why, by the way, why is Moshe told, take off your shoes, you're in a holy place. Why could the Kohanim not wear shoes on Harabayas? When we're in the presence of Hashem, take off those shoes. You know why? Because when you're in the presence of Hashem, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything, you can't conquer nothing. Nothing. Try to walk around without shoes. You ever try to get the mail when you're barefoot? Take out the garbage when you're barefoot? Ow, ooh, ah! You can't make it down the driveway barefoot. You're gonna go control the world? Shoes are the capacity to experience the world, to control the world, to navigate the world around us. So the brothers, Dafka exchanged Yosef for shoes. What they were saying is, we don't need Yosef to have a future and a continuity. It can happen through us. We are in the driver's seat. We have the control, the dashboard called shoes. Shoes are the way that we're going to now control the world. In the opposite direction, Yosef, by the way, is having the same thought. Yosef says, twice, as is often the case, these brothers have so much more in common than divides them. They're both living with the same essential paranoia which is driving their behavior. Yosef says to himself, well, let's see, my great-grandfather had two sons. He kept Yitzchak, got rid of Yishmael. My grandfather had two sons. He kept Yaakov, he got rid of Esav. My father has all these children. Why did he send me out to check on my brothers who then threw me in a pit ready for me to die then sold me into to a merchant to take me down to Mitzrayim? It must be I'm the Yishmael, I'm the Esav of my generation. So why bother getting in touch with Abba, with dad, when he really was discarding me. So really they have much more in common than divides them. They're both living with the same paranoia. They're both filtering everything through the same experience. Perak Lamarches, Pasuk Vav. Hold on to your seats, this is a big one. We're on page 208. Page 208. The story of the sale of Yosef, Yosef and the brothers, what happens to Yosef down in Mitzrayim, all of this is interrupted by the story of Yehuda and Tamar. The story of Yehuda and Tamar. Story of Yehuda and Tamar. We all know the story of Yehuda and Tamar. Yehuda has sons, they're married, they die young. Tamar, desperate to have continuation, to have progeny. She uh, dresses up as a zona on the side of the road 
and solicits her own father-in-law, who doesn't recognize her, takes a collateral. Later, when Yehuda hears his daughter-in-law is pregnant, he accuses her of promiscuity and says she should be killed. She, not to embarrass him, says whoever owns this collateral, whoever gave this payment, is the father of this child. Yehuda recognizes his own belongings, says, Tzadka many. she is more righteous than I, and they are the progenitors of Mashiach. The Jewish Mashiach comes through that line. Not what we would expect at all. A lot to share about this story. Pasuk says, Yehuda takes a wife for his son Er. And what's her name? Ushma Tamar. Her name is Tamar. In the Sefer Tiv Gitten, I'm reading to you now from Otzer Plos HaTorah. In the Sefer Tiv Gitten, Hevi B'Shem Sefer Ezra's Nashim, Shekasavi writes the following quote, Da Shiyesh Anashim Nikraim Tamar. Tamar is not only a girl's name, there are men named Tamar. Even though in the Torah we only find this name being used for women. We have names that are used both for men and women. Simcha. Simcha could be a man's name or a woman's name. Mazel Tov can be a man's name or a woman's name. The Rosh quotes references a great sage whose name was Rabbi Tamar, the son of Menachem. Similarly, Meseches Chulan Muva Amora B'Shem Rami Bar Tamrei. Tamrei is Tamar. The Kakas Vagon Rabbi Yitzchak Palaji in the Sefer Yafa Lelev. Shem Tamar, who Shem Shem Meshamesh Lezacher Ulanekeva. It can be used for a boy or a girl. Why is this all significant? Because the Medrash Talpio says something absolutely wild. Davar Nifla B'Shem Sefer HaMagid. He says, Shenishmas Tamar Haisa Nishmas Zachar. Tamar had the neshama of a man. The neshama of a man in a woman's body. She should have been infertile because really she had the neshama of a man. Because Yehuda had the sparks of feminine energy, through their union, Tamar was able to give birth. So we do have these sources that refer to the fact that we can have a male body, a female soul, a female body, a male soul, this notion that a person can feel uncomfortable in their own skin. Now, we're not tackling this topic right now. <laughs> this Medrash Tel Talpios, Medrash Talpios, for a long time, I'm sure, was not understood, could not be understood. Halachically, whatever our genetics and whatever our anatomy defines the halachic status of the individual, and changing that body is not a halachic option for several halachic reasons. Years ago, we gave a shir on this topic and referenced these Kabbalistic sources that talk about a person who might feel that they have the opposite soul. And then he goes on further. Yosef is Yifei Tawar. Yosef is very beautiful. Very, very pleasant to look at. And Rashi there says on these words, Perak Lamites Pasuk Vav, Yosef knew he was very beautiful. He was very handsome. And what did Yosef love to do? He loved to look in the mirror and play with his hair. He loved to beautify himself. In the Sefer Ture Zav, Why was Yosef loving to adorn himself, to pamper himself? Why did he look in the mirror? And why was he so consumed by his vanity? Where did that come from in Yosef? Yosef HaTzadik? That's more of a feminine quality. With no judgment on it, but if we had to associate it with one gender, it's more of a feminine quality. By the way, that the Gemara, when it talks about the prohibition of the Silbash, you're not allowed to wear the clothing of the opposite gender. Torah has very specific gender differences, distinctions. One cannot wear the, the clothing of the other. The Gemara gives an example of a violation of this prohibition. A man shouldn't look in the mirror to brush his hair. That's the way of a woman. A man shouldn't pluck out a white hair from his beard or his hair. 
That's not something a man should be consumed by, his vanity. And Allah says, in a society where that is done, that's no longer a prohibition today. Can a man color his hair? It's a whole Allah discussion about it. But the Otsaplos Torah points out that this behavior of Yosef is much more associated with feminine quality. So where did Yosef learn to look in the mirror, brush his hair, pamper himself, and get a mani-pedi? The Gemara in Brachos tells us the following story. Last week's parsha. What does it mean after? Leah said to herself, I know that Yaakov, my husband, is going to have 12 children. Six come from me. Arba, four come from the Shvachos. That's 10. If I'm pregnant with a boy, my sister Rachel will have less than even the Shvachos. So what happened? So the baby inside Leah went from being the boy she was due to have to the gender was converted to be a girl, Dina. And Rachel became pregnant with Yosef. Really, originally Leah was pregnant with Yosef and Rachel was pregnant with Dina. And because of Leah's tefillah, they were switched in utero. This is part of the discussion. Also in halacha. How do you define maternity? Genetics or gestation? Who is the mother? The genetic, genetic contributor or whoever provides the womb, the environment? How do you define maternity? Everybody points to this Targum Yonas and Ben Uziel and this Gemara and this discussion. But he says, Yosef Yatsanis. How did Dina get into trouble with Chamor Ben Shechem? Vatetze Leah, because Leah went out. We know, Vatetze Dina, sorry, Vatetze Dina. It is a male quality to go out, to conquer the world. It's a feminine quality to be more modest, more withdrawn. Why did Dina exhibit the masculine quality of going out? Because she had a, a shtickle masculinity, because originally she was a boy. And why did Yosef show some of this femininity? He was obsessed with his hair and looking in the mirror because he was originally a girl. He had some feminine energy and feminine quality within him. Why do I share all this with you? That's an excellent question. I'm wondering it myself right now. Why am I sharing this with you? I'll share it with you. First of all, it is interesting. It's Torah, Lulmod, Anutzrichim. But I share it with you because we should not be dismissive of how complicated and complex these areas are. Our Torah HaKadosha, centuries ago, has sources of the complexity of this. The notion of the body on the one hand, but the gender of the soul on the other. And the balance between them. And to a degree, every one of us has nukva. We have, we have both masculine and feminine which quality is more emphasized within us based on the anatomy and the genetics that we have. The halacha is very clear. We don't recognize and we don't believe in the ability to transition or to change or to redefine or to take on a different identity. Halacha is very clear that a choice pronouns are not our choice, that these are objective and absolute definitions based on anatomy, based on chromosomes. But the notion that a person might feel drawn to or a different energy has a strong basis in our Torah and should at least elicit within us a sophisticated approach, a sensitive approach, a nuanced approach to on the one hand unapologetically and, and non-defensively advocate and represent what we believe on the one hand and fight for it in a world with blurring definitions and blurring boundaries in which we don't know anything anymore. On the one hand to unapologetically and non-defensively stand up for what we believe but be able to simultaneously do it with nuance and sophistication and sensitivity and acknowledgement that these issues are complex, that these issues are... Yosef was a man. The fact that these makoros, by the way, Otsar Plos Torah is a Hasidic Yid in Borough Park who put the Sefer together. I'm not... I'm reading his Sefer, Otsar Plos HaTorah. And he's quoting Helega Makoros here, Midrashim and Chazal and... Ture Zav and other, and other sources, the Medrash Talpios and others, Yafalalev, 
of, uh, of others. Say for Amagid, what I'm trying to communicate is how careful we have to be in, in how we approach this topic. Yosef knew he was a man and Tamar was a woman. It's not a contradiction to feel connected to different qualities as long as one knows how they are defined by halacha and by Hashem, and that's immutable. That is not, that's not changeable. So that's an interesting, our parsha is both Legabe Tamar and Legabe Yosef, and I'm going to get out of here right now. Perak Lamed Ches, Pasuk Yud Beis. Vayabuah Yamim, Perak Lamed Ches, Pasuk Yud Beis. Vayabuah Yamim, Vatamas Bashuah, Eishis Yudah, Vayinachim Yudah, Vayala Goznei, Gozezei Tzono, Many days passed, and Shua's daughter, the wife of Yudah, died. When Yehuda was consoled, he went up to oversee his Shep Shears, he and his friend, Chira to Timna. What does it mean, many days passed? What's the reference to many days have passed? So Rabbi Salavechik has a comment here, in the Rav Chumash. Rabbi Salavechik says the following, somewhere... Where is this? Perak Lamed Ches. Here. Many days have passed. Tamara was a heroic woman, a great woman. She possessed the ability and patience to wait without end. Tamara waited many years. She was lonely, forsaken, forgotten by everyone. Seasons passed. All her friends married, reared families. All contact with them came to an end. People treated her with ridicule and contempt. Shayla married. Yehuda had forgotten her. And yet she waited and never said a word. Was she not the incarnation of the Knesset Yisrael, which has waited for her beloved hundreds and thousands of years under the most trying circumstances? Did not Tamar personify the greatest of all heroic action, the capacity to wait, while the waiting arouses laughter and derision? The Rav saw in these words, Vayirbu hayamim, the days passed. Tamar was patient. She waited. She waited. Tamar showed the strength of waiting and hoping of having faith even when she became the subject of mockery. She sat as a widow in her father's house, waited for Shayla. Tamar remained faithful and loyal. In her simplicity and naivete, she instinctively trusted Yehuda. She could not tear herself away from him. Something fateful, incomprehensible tied her to him. So she made the desperate decision to sit at the crossroad. The strength of absurd loyalty is the second foundation of the concealed world of the kingdom of the idea of Mashiach, of Beis David. Even if the Jewish people have the glow of the past and the promise of a glorious future, then you shall see and be radiant, and your heart shall throb and be enlarged, a pasuk in Yeshaya. Of what use would these be if the Jewish people had not had Tamar and hundreds, thousands like her, who sat, waited patiently under the most horrible circumstances? Everyone laughed and mocked, saying, God has long forgotten you. Thousands of years passed, and the divine promise was not fulfilled. Yet the Tamars of the world kept waiting. They sat on the ground on Tishabov and cried, for thousands of years, the Tamars repeated every morning, I believe with complete faith. Where do we get that capacity? Mashiach descends and comes from, the mother of Mashiach is Tamar, among his mothers, is Tamar. This This ability to wait, the ability to be patient, the ability to not give in to the ridicule and derision to the mockery and cynicism, the ability to maintain loyal faith and to stay true with resiliency to what we believe and to not give in to despair and hopelessness, but to cling to the promise of a brighter future. Where did we get this planted within us? What gave faith to those who survived the Crusades and the Inquisition and the Holocaust and every challenge of our past? What lets us sit and wait and long for Mashiach? The Rav writes so beautifully, so poetically. It's all ingrained in us from Tamar because the days passed, Tamar showed that capacity. Tamar herself showed that capacity. I already told you what happens. She shows these um, collateral, the payment. She says, whoever owns these things, this is the father. She said, identify this signet and this wrap and the staff because whoever owns them, that's who is really the father of the baby that I'm carrying. You want to kill me? Kill me. You want to accuse me of promiscuity? Accuse me of promiscuity. On my way out, just know whoever owns these items through which I would receive payment, 
That's the father of this child. Zagdrashi, the Lashon Tamar says, Hakerna. What do the words Hakerna mean? Recognize. Why the word na? It could have said Haker. Recognize, identify. What does the word na always come to mean? A na el Lashon? Bakasha. Na is a Lashon Bakasha. So why did Tamar say, please? Look, please. Identify, please. If you please. She said, please, recognize your master, recognize your creator, and do not allow three innocent people to die. Recognize your master and don't allow three innocent people to die. Hakerna, identify. Identify if it's yours or, or not. To which Yudah says, Tzad Kamimani. So Rashi, Hayim li Yehuda Tzarech Lomar Sheyakir is Boro, Rabbi Yerucham, great mashkech of the mir, says Rabbi Yerucham, the Yehuda Tzarech Lomar Sheyakir is Boro. What was Tamar really saying to Yehuda? Hakerna, let your... Conscience kick in. Believe in God. Hashem is watching. Hashem knows the truth. Hashem knows it was you. You and I and Hashem all know. So hakerna. Haker es borecha. Could Yehuda have forgotten? Talking about the great Yehuda. Again, one of the members of the Shivtei Ka. Could he have forgotten? Why did Rashi have to go out of his way to expand his interpretation? Was the simple understanding and translation not enough? Simple understanding was compelling enough. Hakerna, identify whoever owns these things as the father. Ooh, ah, music stops. Moment of truth. What will you do? How will he react? Wow, what a powerful moment. It's all built up. The drama, without having to reinterpret, Akerna means, remember him. So why did Rashi feel compelled to add that additional layer of explanation? Akerna means, don't forget your Creator, don't forget Hashem. Says of Yeruchim, Kan ram kochos nefesh adam shetamar yada shegam kasher yakib yehuda hetiv is bigadav, yekashalamod lahodos ala emes. Wow, what a Rabbi Yeruchim, you ready? Says Rabbi Yerucham, you know what you learn and you see from here? Even a great Yehuda, even someone as great as Yehuda, in that moment where our back is against the wall, in that moment where we are confronted with the truth, in that moment when we see the reality of what we've done, will we reconcile and justify? Will we rationalize? You know what the word rationalize, where it comes from? The etymology of the word rationalize are rational lies. The rational lies we tell ourselves. Our ego gets in the way. You ever have a debate? None, no one here has ever had a debate with their spouse. And you dig deep. And you double down. And you are convinced what you believe. And then the truth comes out. You clarified, you verified, and it turns out you were wrong. So many people, their ego gets in the way, say, yeah, that's what I said all along. Or, no, 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 that's not really true here. This case is different, or this is why I said that, or I said that because you don't really understand why in this case, I'm still really right, even though it seems like you're right. The ego inevitably gets in the way, and we struggle to be moda ala emes, to admit the truth. And so in that moment, it's not easy in that moment, in public, to admit we're wrong. Yehuda is confronted. This is a moment of truth. This will define his entire legacy. Will his ego get in the way? Will he continue to deny it was him? Will he tell a rationalize? Will he rationalize why it was okay? Or will he say, You know what? My conscience kicked in. My awareness of Hashem triumphed and superseded whatever my ego said, and therefore I'm able to say tzad kamimeni. Why did he earn Malchus? Yehuda is the progenitor of Jewish monarchy forever. It comes from Yehuda. Why? You know why? 
Because in this moment of truth, Yehuda overcame his ego, his instinct, and was able to admit the truth. But says Rabbi Yerucham, the fact that Tamar had to invoke Hashem, the only thing that gives us the strength of character to be willing to admit the truth, even when it will hurt and injure our ego, the only thing that gives us the strength of character to do it is remembering our Creator. Remember to whom we're going to answer. Remember what really matters and what really counts. Remember what He really knows and we can't deny or rationalize. When we invoke and we remember and we have a clear spiritual conscience that kicks in and that becomes our compass that guides us in life, then we have the capacity. This is what we daven for every morning. Emes. We have to be willing to be makiras ha-emes, to be moda al ha-emes. We daven that we have the strength of character and the clarity and the confidence and the courage to be moda al ha-emes, to live a life of humility in which our ego doesn't get in the way and therefore create a barrier between us and others and between us and Hashem. So yeah, he's the great Yehuda. The great Yehuda. And yet Tamar has to say, don't forget him. Because this is a moment of truth. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? So help you, God. Because what will drive you and motivate you and hold you accountable to tell the truth is so help you, God, when you remember that it comes from God. Revolb, the great Shalom of Abba, the Mashkiach, and Ashiri Chumash has another interpretation. He says, Regilim Lachshov, normally we think Shakar Saborei Haidei Limud Mora Nevuchim Visefar Haikarim. Normally we think, what demonstrates our faith, our belief in Hashem? What demonstrates our recognition of Hashem when we sit and we learn the Mora Nevuchim? We sit and we learn the Sefar Haikarim. Bekan Eitzel Tamar, Motzamanu Agdara Chadasha Bakar Saborei. Here we find a new definition of believing in God. Tamar Omeres Lehuda Im Yishlach Esa Omets Lahodas Ala Emes Barabim do you know what shows if you believe in God? Says the great Mashiach Ravolba here. We learn from here, what demonstrates if you believe in God is not how long your Shemona Esrei takes to say. Not how many Tehillim you recite. Not how well you can repeat more in Avuchim or Sefer Ikarim, or you could recite all the evidence of God's existence. Do you know what really demonstrates if you believe in God? Are you willing to be moda al ha'emes? In those moments of truth, will you set aside ego and will you recognize the truth? Because the only way that we do and we will is because we believe in Hashem. That's what compels us. So we shouldn't just talk about God. We should demonstrate our belief in God by being godly and by being moda al ha'emes by admitting and by recognizing the truth. Perak Lamates Pasuk Ches. Lamates Ches. Vayimayin vayimayimayimayim aleishas Adoni Adonav hein Adoni lo yadai itim ababayis v'chol ha'sheish lo nasan biyadi. We know that the wife of Potiphar relentlessly pursues Yosef. After all, he's this handsome, beautiful man. She relentlessly pursues him. And Yosef is tempted and almost gives in, but he doesn't. He perseveres and he rejects her. Vayimayin, vayimayin. Where does he get the courage? The root of the word vayimayin, the word vayimayin means pasaches. What is the word vayimayin? To refuse. But the root of the word vayimayin is emuna, where you get the courage to refuse, the courage to tell the truth. It's the story of Yehuda. The courage to refuse, the courage to be disciplined, the capacity vayimayin comes from emuna, comes from. Emuna says the altar of Kelm. Ech ese. Yosef says, how could I do this to my master? He put me in charge of his whole house. How could I violate his trust by being unfaithful with his wife? How could I do that? How could I do that? The altar of Kelm says, You see the power of Hakara Satov here. Who did more for whom? Did Potiphar do more for Yosef or did Yosef do more for Potiphar? On the one hand, Potiphar gave Yosef a chance. He hired him when no one else would and he trusted him. He put him in charge of entire finances. So on the one hand, Potiphar gave Yosef a start. He gave Yosef a chance. He did a lot for him. Did Yosef pay him back? Did he reciprocate? And then some. He made Potiphar incredibly wealthy. So 
he even the score. In a sense, Yosef doesn't really owe Potiphar anything. But Kozman Yosef is engaged at all in Potiphar and his world, he never forgets. With a supreme sense of Hakara Satov, he never forgets what Potiphar did for him. Never forgets what he did for him. His whole life, and this is Yosef, always feeling gratitude and appreciation for everything. When Yosef turns away from her attempts, she grabs his coat and he runs out without it. And the Ramban writes, Who's stronger, Yosef or the wife of Potiphar? Likely Yosef. Yosef is likely stronger. So how is it that she's able to win? She grabs him and he lets go of the coat and lets her take it instead of pulling away with his coat, with his jacket, with his shirt and fleeing the scene without leaving any evidence behind. Why did she win? The Ramban says, you know why? Because he had a karasatov. She's a woman. He's a man. You're not going to disrespect a woman. The wife of the man who gave you his first chance, gave you your first job, gave you your first job. Wow, says the author of Kelm. You see how far hakarasatov goes. That even in that moment where a false accusation is about to be born, Yosef in his mind says, I can't be violent with this woman. That's not appropriate. And it's not appropriate to the wife of the man who gave me a start. Yosef's whole line, life is defined and informed and inspired by this incredible sense of Akara Satov, a sense of Akara Satov that goes so incredibly far. Perak Mem Pasachov. Yosef is then put in prison because of this false accusation. And now it is the third day. Yom Uledes Es Paro. It's somebody's birthday. Vayas Meshtel Achol Avadav. Paro makes a big birthday for his servants. Vayisayas Rosh Sarah Mashkim is Rosh Sarah Ofim Besoch Avadav. And he makes a big party for himself. He makes a big party for all of his servants. And he counted the Sarah Mashkim and the Sarah Ofim among his servants. Vayeshav Sarah Mashkim Amashkev. Vayitinakos Lakav Paro. Sarah Ofim Tala. And that's when the Sarah Mashkim is returned to his place, to his position. And the Sarah Ophim is executed, he is hung, both the fulfillment of the prediction, the dream interpretation that Yosef had offered. And Yosef, Sarah Mashkim did not remember Yosef, and he forgot him. That's pretty redundant. If you don't remember, then you forget. If you forget, you didn't remember. Why does the Pasuk have to say it twice? Says Rashi. He forgot him later. Because Yosef put his faith, put his trust in the Tsar Hamashkim, saying, when you get out of here, don't forget me. Put in a good word for me. Get me out of here. Because Yosef put his faith in Basar Adam, in a fellow man. Therefore, he was really meant to sit in prison for two years. But he sat for longer. He shouldn't have put his faith in, in the Tsar Hamashkim. So therefore, he sat for, he sat for longer. Therefore, he sat for longer. Had he not put his faith in, he asked twice. Because Yosef asked the Sarah Mashkim to remember him twice, he sat for two years. Had he, not, had he only asked him once, how long would he have sat for? So Mepharshim say, no years, zero years. You know why? You have to do Hishtadlis. The problem was not doing Hishtadlis. You have to make an effort. You have to take initiative. The problem is excessive initiative. You can't win the lottery if you don't buy one ticket. But if Hashem wants you to win, you'll win with one ticket. Buying two tickets is excessive. Buying two tickets is foolish. Statistically, you don't increase your chance whatsoever. You have no chance with one ticket. You still have no chance with two tickets. You haven't increased your chances. It's not that you have twice the chance of winning. You have twice the zero chance of winning. But yet you have to buy one ticket to have any chance. So that's initiative. So for Yosef to have said once, Listen, when you get out, please put in a good word. That's initiative, that's reasonable, that's understandable, that's acceptable. It's the fact that he said twice, that's what was unacceptable. Chazanish has a different interpretation. Chazanish says no. That initiative would be understandable normally. But this is an unreasonable initiative. You know why? 
Mitzrim don't do favors for one another. You should have known that Saramashkim is such a low life, there was zero chance he would ever remember you. So even asking once is an excessive, inappropriate initiative. So yes, Hashem wants us to show initiative to parallel and couple our faith, but it has to be reasonable, understandable, acceptable initiative, and this was an unacceptable initiative. But anyway, I want to draw your attention in closing to the notion that it was, don't worry, to the notion that it was Paro's birthday. Why was it telling us it's Paro's birthday? Do we find anyone else observing a birthday in the Torah? What is the Jewish view of birthdays? We don't have time to do this now fully. I once gave a shear back in 2013. It was the 30th birthday of the Boca Raton Synagogue. I have uh, many, 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 many Makoros on this topic. I'm happy to share them with anyone who wants to see them, but just very quickly to end. So the great, the great Aderes, Revelio David Rabinovitz to Umim, the great Aderes, and his nephew David writes, You know, I get so angry at those who wish me a happy birthday on my birthday. Why? The only time we see the notion, the mention of a birthday in the Torah is paro. We know there was a big machlogas, Beshamai, Beshilel, would we have been better being created, not created? We paskin, nimnu v'gamru, they counted and they concluded. It would have been better that we weren't created. So what are you saying, happy birthday? What's, what makes it so happy? It would have been better if we weren't here. So he says the only time we find the notion of a birthday and a birthday party in the Torah are legabe, an evil person, para, or this para wasn't evil, but legabe, a non-Jew. So don't wish me a happy birthday, says the Adaris. Don't wish me a happy birthday. Don't say happy birthday. We don't focus on birthdays. Tov shem yishem and tov v'tom tov ha'maves miyom hivaldo. Better to focus on the day of death than the day of your birth. The day of your birth, you were a nothing. It was all promise. The day of your death, hopefully you became a something. There's something to reflect on. So yom moso, yom ha'maves is better than yom hivaldo. So what are you mentioning my birthday? And in fact, this was the opinion of the Munkacher as well. In his Divrei Torah, the Helega Munkacher of Chaim Shapira also writes, he says, Mimasha Amarti, this was the drusha that he gave in a Besa Knesset Lorotana Mamshela, Liyoma Ledis Sar, Ha Republic, Hanoda Lemiska Bechola Olam, Bemidas Tova Visharso. So the, the, I don't know who it was, but Munkach, they had to make, they had to assemble in the shul to celebrate the great birthday of this non Jewish ruler. Vine Yoma Ledis Eitzel Bene Yisrael, Lo Shamano Mirabasena, Vavasena Akadoshim, Lasos Kane Yom Simchas Biom Toldasam. For us, where we have to keep mitzvos, there's 365 ways it could go wrong, only 248 ways it could go right. We have many more los assays than assays. So what's so good about being born? Would have been better not to be born. It's so hard to get it right. But for the non-Jews, seven lousy mitzvahs b'nei Noach, don't rip a limb off a live animal and eat it. They got that covered. So taka being born is a great thing. So they wish each other a happy birthday. We don't wish one another a happy birthday. Reb Chaim Zatzal and his derech sicha. Reb Chaim writes on this pasuk, Yom Huled is paro. He quotes the Adaris. I used to get angry at people. And he says, When a person turns 60, if you survive to your 60th birthday, you have survived kares. Kares means you'll die before your 60th birthday. So if you make it to your 60th birthday, should you celebrate? So it sounds like only on your 60th birthday, but every other birthday, don't do anything. Said Reb Chaim, In the Kanievsky home, no birthday cards, no balloons, no birthday cakes, no candles. There was no birthday. There are many, many sources on this subject. Ravavadya, Ravavadya recognized a birthday. says that a birthday party, if you give Divrei Torah, you transform a mundane secular birthday party into a Sudas Mitzvah. Ravavadya says, stopping and pausing and saying, thank you Hashem for bringing me into this world. And that, I have a responsibility, a duty, an obligation, that there's a mazel that I experience that comes into the world on this day. 
that v'cheno again bebeisenu in the in the uh, home of Ravavadja, they would celebrate birthday parties. They'd celebrate birthday parties. The Minig Yisrael Torah has many sources on it. There are many, many sources on the uh, notion of the birthday. The Rishise Laila, the Heliger of Tzedek HaKoyin of Lublin, he writes, Ki ayom sha'adam nolad bo, hu betokav mazalo, ve'ein lo liorei be'osa yom b'chol shana mishum davar she'ira mazalo az. On your birthday you have a mazal, and that mazal will protect you. And you shouldn't fear if you celebrate the fact that that birthday, Kodesh Baruch Hu brought you into this world, it's mazel. It's a mazel. I, I love to quote, uh, I think it's Mark Twain, who says, the two most important days in a person's life, are the day you're born and the day you figure out why. So the day we should figure out why is on our birthday. Our birthday, we should pause and celebrate. Hashem, why did you bring me into this world? What would the world have been lacking if I wasn't here? What's my mission and my purpose? What am I meant to fulfill? What difference am I meant to make? What legacy am I meant to leave behind? What legacy am I meant to leave behind? Others quote the Chavaz Yar, the Ksav Sofer, quote a custom, to make a bracha of Shechiyonu on your 70th birthday. Because the Pasuk says, if you make it to 70 years, the average lifetime is 70 years. So your 70th birthday, psh, if you make it to 70, more than 70, you already have a blessed life, longevity from a Jewish perspective. You're young, you're young. But from a Jewish perspective, it's longevity. So maybe you should make a Shechianu. And the post can consider this. Maybe Shem Amachos, maybe no Shem Amachos. Big discussion, but I'll close with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Again, it's Yutes Kislev. We'll close the way we began. Lubavitcher Rebbe felt very strongly that birthdays are worth celebrating. They're a day that, like the Tzadikah Cohen said, that you have this extra mazel. It's the day Hashem decided that the world needed you. So every day when you revisit the decision he made that the world needed you, you have an extra level of mazel. So don't squander it, don't waste it, give out brachas. We believe you should give other people brachas. The Rebbe felt on your birthday, you get an aliyah on the Shabbos before your birthday, and on your birthday you should give more tzedakah, and you daven harder on your birthday, and you should say the tehillim that corresponds with your age of that birthday, and you should... Um, and you should give brachas. Use the extra mazel you have on that day to give out brachas. Now all of this assumes what birthday are we talking about? Not your Gregorian, who the heck cares, it means absolutely nothing birthday. But all of this is assuming which day would Rav Tzadik say you have extra mazel? Which day can you give others brachas? Which day are you protected? Which day have you been spared from kares or you've achieved longevity of 70 years? Maybe make a shechianu? It's all assuming your Hebrew birthday. That's the day Hashem decided the world needed you to exist. Your Gregorian birthday means nothing, gornished, except maybe for how you fill out government forms. It means when you can start collecting social security, but it means nothing, absolutely nothing. It is tragic, absolutely tragic in my humble opinion, that we are raising children and we live in a world where everyone knows their English birthday, and at least wives know their English anniversary, and nobody knows their Hebrew birthday, Nobody knows their Hebrew anniversary. Your English anniversary means gornished. The Hebrew anniversary is the day the two halves became a whole. It's the day that the, the declaration of that Basco became fulfilled when two souls met each other and became complete. It has nothing to do with the Men, you're entitled to forget your English anniversary. It means nothing anyway. But the Hebrew anniversary, the Hebrew birthday, I won't ask by a show of hands how many people here even know their Hebrew birthday. But if you don't, Baruch Hashem. This is a very holy congregation. If you don't, shame on you. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.